Our scripture reading this morning is in the book of Ruth, Ruth chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 18. Ruth is a short book. It's, it's four chapters. I actually looked up exactly how short it was because I thought it was one of the shortest, and it is, but there are 21 books in the Bible shorter than Ruth, if you can believe it. The sermon's going to cover all the book of Ruth, so you might find it helpful. You don't have to do this, but if you have your Bible open, and I'm going to be going on from the verses we read to cover the book all the way till its end. So if you have it with, open with you, you can kind of peek at that, something to keep in mind. Ruth 1, beginning at verse 1. This is God's holy and infallible word. In the days when the judges ruled... There was a famine in the land, and a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named not Oprah, Orpah, and the other Ruth. After they'd lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. And then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. And then she kissed them and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? I am, am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. At this they wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. That's God's word for us this morning. <clears throat> so these last number of weeks, these Old Testament heroes of the faith have shown us how to live as a people of faith, and even more importantly, They've been showing us the great grace and the salvation of our God. We, we see these people in their lives, but through it all, even greater is the grace of our God. And, and Ruth does that too. This small book sparkles, 
especially as you read it on. We read a kind of a, a tough place in it, but especially as it goes on, this book sparkles in the midst of a depressing period in the history of the people of God. We're meant to have that in mind as we read it because Ruth starts out with in the days when the judges ruled. And that would, that's a trigger. That was a dark time. God's people were floundering. God's people were turning away from the faith. God would punish them for that, raise up a leader, a judge, to rescue them. And in the midst of that time, there's some amazing stories like Gideon and Deborah and Samson, but the overall picture is grim. Just before Judges, the people made a stand with Joshua when he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then they failed to keep the promise. They failed miserably. So this, these are faithless times. And you know, maybe that strikes a chord with you this morning as, as you look out on our land. You know, certainly God is at work in this world, we know it, but, but for the most part, aren't we in a time of people turning away from the Lord? Aren't we mostly in a time of people turning from God's ways? Seems like it. And we think of our veterans today, and, and we look back to, say, the World War II era, and though the war, of course, was terrible, don't we look back and think that those were better times? Those were better times to raise a family. So we think. Good and evil seem to have been more black and white then. Better times for the church of Jesus, perhaps. But today... It's not so much like the good old days. Changing morals. Not just acceptance now, but celebration of same-gender marriage. I, I think of what the CEO of Apple said just a couple of weeks ago. Wow. Wow. These days when Christians vote and, and the people we vote for don't get in, it just makes us more depressed and even when we vote, and maybe the people we vote for do get in, we're doubtful anything's going to change anyway. Let's be honest. We don't think anything's going to change. Christians seem less committed to the church today. All of that can be pretty deflating. That can suck the life out of our faith. You know, it, if you look out today and you sometimes feel a little cynical and apathetic, negative, well, you're in a perfect position to get the times of the book of Ruth. In the days when the judges ruled, lousy times, tough times, faithless times. But God has something to say in the book of Ruth in those times and in our times. Ruth is showing us that we can yet sparkle and shine in the midst of the dimness. We can have hope even if 
the people around us don't seem to have any anymore. We have reason to be positive and full of joy, even in the midst of cynicism and grumpiness and bitterness and negativity. Ruth shows us that not all the heroes have gone before in previous generations, but there are heroes of the faith today too, and there, there can be, and it can be you and me. I want that kind of perspective, don't you? I want it for my family. I want it for this church here at Faith. How can we have it? How can we have heroic faith like we see displayed in the book of Ruth in faithless times? A few suggestions from God's Word. First, we can have heroic faith by making a decisive choice for the Lord and His people like Ruth. The situation here starts out with a bad choice by this dude named Elimelech. First reading, we might think Elimelech did a wise thing as a head of his home. There was a famine in the land to survive. He moved his family out of the country for a while. But if we look at the fuller picture, we find that this was a faithless choice. This wasn't just like moving out of state today for a better job opportunity. To move out out of Israel in Old Testament times, it was like pulling yourself out of the church. And Elimelech did this because times were bad in Israel. The economy had taken a hit. He needed to feed his family. The reality is for any of us, we have to always put our family's spiritual well-being first. And trust that that God will work the rest of it out. God's calling for his people in this downtime, it wasn't to bail on the Lord and the church. It was to wait patiently on him. And instead, Elimelech takes matters in his own hands. He doesn't trust God. He pulls his family away from the church. We read he was just going to do it for a little while just to get things together. But we don't step back from the church. Not even for a little while. And then not always, but sometimes in life, there are direct consequences to our poor choices. And that was the case here. Elimelech died outside of the church. So did both his sons. The ones left are Naomi, his wife, her daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah. Because those girls were both from Moab, that amounts to saying the same thing is that they grew up in an environment where there was no faith in God. They didn't grow up with God's people. Well, Naomi learns, and this is still in the part we read, that back in Israel, God had come to help his people. And that proves the point that Elimelech should have waited things out. So Naomi makes the wise choice to get back home, back to her people, back to God's people. Ruth and Orpah were young enough to remarry and still have kids and a family. So Naomi doesn't expect her to join her. And Israel wasn't even their people. But Naomi decides, Ruth decides to stick with Naomi And in doing that, that is a bold choice for the Lord. You know, we we talk a lot, and we had a a really good sermon on a few weeks ago, about Abraham's faith. 
And the Bible talks about all over the place. Abraham's bold faith to go where he did not know. Ruth's faith, Ruth's choice is every bit at the level of Abraham. She too was going to a country she did not know. And there was something really striking about her choice because God didn't even speak to her directly like Abraham did. So even without God's voice commanding her and guiding her, she has some sense of who the God of Israel is and that it's best for her to be with him by his people. So somehow God's spirit was in this young woman and she made this choice of great faith even though she didn't grow up worshiping God. What can we learn about these two choices, Ruth's especially, but also Elimelech's? Well, Elimelech shows us the importance of sticking with the people of God. You know, sometimes when, when we go through hard times, you know, and, and maybe and we, we, all, we all go through hard times. Maybe, maybe it's a, a personal thing. Maybe, it's, maybe there's a marriage issue. Maybe it's a concern about a loved one. Maybe it's, it's illness, financial struggle. But, but sometimes, if you notice that, sometimes people have a tendency to pull back from the church, to pull out of worship, to pull away from Christian culture. And that's, that's exactly what we must not do, not even for a little time, friends. The response of faith no, we can't do this on our own. This is, has to be God-given. We've got to depend on him. The response of faith in struggle is to draw as closely as we can to our brothers and sisters who love us and who can pray for us and who can wait patiently on the Lord with us. You know, in your life, an unwise choice in hard times can have disastrous consequences. Elimelech was just leaving the church for a little while, but his choice totally backfired. Ruth's decisive choice, it shows us heroic faith. Ruth makes her stand. Ruth being a young woman, we get the impression, it makes me think of, of, of my family, it makes me think of my girls, girls, it makes me think of the choices that they're going to be making and already are our oldest, Olivia, is in high school now, and we're learning the choices are endless besides just regular schoolwork. You can do different sports as students, music, drama, mock trial. And as parents, Sarah and I really want to encourage our girls to explore, to enjoy their lives, to take it in. And students, if you're a student out here, I would say while you're young, Take in these wonderful opportunities to try out different things. Do that. Enjoy what God puts in front of you. Spread your wings. Branch out. It's the time in your life to do it. Go for that. Those types of choices, classes to take, activities to do, friends to make, those choices says God's word, will be best enjoyed when a bigger and a greater choice has been made in your life. And that's the choice to walk with the Lord. Jesus in the New Testament says, follow me. 
Ruth said, okay. And she made the choice of faith. Jesus invites each one of us this morning, will you follow me? Will you answer today, friends? If you do, you're going to be on the road of blessing for the rest of your life, just like we see with Ruth, this young woman, as the book goes on. Second, we have heroic faith by living with integrity before God and others. So, if you think about it, and I never thought about this before, but Ruth is like a brand new believer, someone who just gave her heart to Jesus. When you do that, you don't know much about what that choice involves, do you? You don't know how much living for Jesus will change your life. You don't know what that all involves in your day-to-day living. Well, a guy named Boaz comes on the scene as the book goes on to show us that. So in this guy Boaz, we see someone who made the choice of faith a long time ago, and now he is living the faith. This Boaz reminds me and makes me think of any number of mature Christians, even right in our church, who aren't perfect but are seeking to live for the Lord. And we're so blessed to have examples like that. People living the life of faith. And we see from Boaz that faithful living means a life of integrity. A life of integrity before God and in relationship with others. We read here that Boaz is a man of standing. So he was important in his town. The first picture we get of him is him greeting his employees working in the field. And he says to his workers, the Lord be with you. And they say, the Lord bless you, which is just an amazing picture. A boss who is respected by those he employs. And he respects them. You know, I bet these workers never even needed to form a union because a godly owner treats his employees well. Further, we read that Boaz has a heart for the poor. It's always a sign of faithful living before God in the Old Testament. God told his people at harvest time, you shouldn't quite harvest to the edge of the fields. Leave leave some behind for the foreigner, for the poor, for the widow, like Ruth, so they can have something. And then when you do that, don't just hand it out to them. Let the poor with dignity gather their own food. That's how God's set up for caring for the poor. It's brilliant, isn't it? The reality is the Israelites often just trampled the poor, didn't care for them, and that brought on God's judgment. But Boaz respected God's law. So we're given this picture of the life of faith in Boaz. Ruth shows us the choice that we're all invited to make. Boaz shows us the life of integrity we can live. There's something about Boaz that's interesting. It highlights he's such a man of faith. But there's nothing in here showing us how he behaves in worship. There's no doubt 
he was respected in the tabernacle. I would be very surprised if he did not serve like as an elder or something. But that's not what God's Word is focusing on. It's not the life in the church. We hear about his life out in the community before others. And you know what? That is integrity. When you worship God in all of life, God's Word says that's heroic faith. How you live out there. Finally, you have heroic faith today when you depend on the power of the Redeemer. The very end of the book, there's a dramatic picture of the integrity of Boaz. And he gives us a picture of someone much greater than him who would be coming in the fullness of time. When Israel entered the promised land, every family got a piece of that land. That was God's instruction that it would be theirs and their families forever. Then that inheritance of the land was a big part of the promises to God's people. So it's kind of weird to us, there really wasn't the possibility of buying and selling and accumulating land in God's design. I mean, it basically sounds socialist the way it was set up in ancient Israel, but that's, that's how it was. That's how God set it up. And here's the point. Elimelech died and his sons died. Naomi's going back to Israel, but as far as the rest of Israel is concerned, that family didn't exist. That there are still women in the family didn't matter. Women did not have standing. They had nothing without a husband. They couldn't own anything. Now that's not ultimately how God's, God wanted his people to treat women. As Scripture goes on into the New Testament, we're going to see a trajectory for women that would totally overturn how the ancient world treated girls and women. But in the time of Ruth, this is still how it was. There was a way to figure out what would happen with that land that was left because someone died. And it was through the kinsman redeemer law. The law said the closest relative to the guy who died had first rights to acquire that land. And then that land would be part of his property. But if there was a widow left over, there was a wrinkle. And there you see, even then, God looking out for, for women. If there was a woman, a widow left, that person would also have to marry her. And the first child of that relationship would be considered a child of the deceased guy. So his name could go on, so the family line would continue. In God's providence, Boaz, who Ruth bumped into, was a relative. Being a guy of integrity, he was willing to do this. Take Ruth in, have a child. That first child wouldn't be his legally, but Elimelech's. And that family would get the land back. But there was another person in the picture. We never get his name in the book of Ruth. It's a closer relative yet. Boaz had to give him the first option. And so Boaz tells the guy about this available land. 
He was very willing to acquire the land when it sounded like, oh, I could just expand my property. But as soon as he heard about Ruth and the extra responsibilities, he backed out of the picture very quickly. And then that's when faithful Boaz, at the end of the book, steps to the plate. We read Boaz and Ruth got married. They have a child, Obed. Obed would be the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. And it was King David's line that eventually brought Jesus in the fullness of time. Jesus, the Redeemer of the world. Boaz was a man of standing in position of power to take in Ruth, to care for her. Ruth had no hope without Boaz. Without that redemption, she would have had no future. She and Naomi would have to continue to live alone, poor, depending on farmer's goodwill, leaving extra food in the land for survival. Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, who steps up and takes her in, points us ahead to Jesus. While we were without hope, while we were poor in our sin, he came and stepped to the plate. He came to lift us up by going to the cross. A bold choice like Ruth's, and a life of integrity before God and others, we can't do that in our own strength. We need the power of the Redeemer. Because of Jesus, even if we've made bad mistakes like Elimelech, there is always hope for the future. This book starts out with a a terrible choice, but you see what God has made of this. The line of Jesus had died out. God made this promise. He was going to send the seed of the woman to crush the serpent. This was the only hope for sin. Jesus' line died out in Moab. But the Lord worked a miracle of His grace and moved forward with his promise to send Jesus to crush the serpent's head and save us from our sins and save us from our stupid choices. Anything we do or anything we fail to do in our lives is always under the picture, that greater picture of his sovereign grace. There is always hope for you. In Jesus, no matter what, you have a future. You have hope for your future. In the power of Jesus who was faithful all the way to the cross, will you respond today to the invitation to follow Him? Will you live with integrity before God and those around you? Here in the church, but maybe especially out there in the power of our great kinsman redeemer you can make those choices you and i in our church we can sparkle shine with heroic faith even today will we do that together with god's help with his grace
Amen.